Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 The Yakuza Kick Radio. This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night, this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn. He had this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you got me. Now look at that guy. You only fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It is Wednesday, September 2nd, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jay Cat Morris. I got a bunch of stuff to cover. On Point Wrestling, I attended past weekend, this coming weekend. I got the Nick Gage Invitational, so I got a lot to talk about about those other things. But um, first, my guest tonight is none other than J.D. Horror. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, Jay? Good, man. Um... So, yeah, I wanted to have you on. Uh, you know, you're a California guy. I really haven't seen too, too much of you, but, you know, I saw you at King of the Death match, and you're doing big stuff in Cali. So I wanted to get you on and, you know, get to know a little bit more about you. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Um, when did you uh, get into wrestling as a kid? How would you get into it? Uh, I started out wrestling, uh, getting into wrestling as a kid when I was probably about eight years old, around that time, maybe seven, uh, from WWE, you know, we went to a couple of house shows. I actually went to Royal Rumble 1996 when I was a kid. And then uh, I, because I, as a uh, young kid, I'm like, wow, I want to do that. I started uh, doing 
freestyle wrestling and Greco-Roman wrestling uh, through club wrestling when I was about nine years old. And, uh, uh, yeah, I kind of went from there. Okay. Um, who was your favorite yeah, as a kid? You know, my favorite wrestler when I first started as a little kid was Undertaker. But then I started getting into Bret Hart. And then when uh-huh. Owen Hart turned on Bret Hart, then Owen Hart became my favorite wrestler. And then I started liking the heels, like, around that time. I'm 30 right now, so that that time when that happened, I was probably, like, 9 or 10, I think. WrestleMania yeah. 10, that kind of era. Um, yeah. yeah, what was what, what triggered you to make you actually want to do it, you know, go from being a fan to actually want to do it? Uh, it was death matches. For me, that's what it yeah. was. Like, if, as, as a grown man, like, when I decided to start training and stuff, and, and not as a kid, you know, as a kid, it was WWE, got me into freestyle. Stopped watching WWE because I realized it was, you know, at that time I wasn't really into it anymore, you know. But then uh, once I found death matches, I was all about it, so... Now, what's some of the deathmatch stuff you were watching, you know, that got you into it? Uh, I, I first started, you know, when I started watching it again, like right when I, right around probably about, I want to say like eight years ago or something, I started uh, watching it again uh, because of, started watching some old ECW that I found. Um, then because of that, I uh, found Kawasaki Dream. When I saw that, I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is awesome. You know, that's the King of the Deathmatch 95, the Japan one. Uh, right, that's, right. Uh, and then that got me into Big Japan, and Big Japan had me find CCW and then IWA and everything else. And I realized, wow, there's a lot of, you know, more more real shit out here. You know, not just uh, like WWE and that kind of stuff. All right. <clears throat> so, how did you uh, first go into training, and you know, what was that like? I started training probably seven years ago. I trained for almost a year and a half. Uh, when I first started, before I even had my first match, because we lost our school halfway between out here in California. And then uh, I got into it uh, training at Vendetta Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right. that was the first school <clears throat> I trained at. Was, um, you know, was training what you expected? I mean, because you had watched a bunch of it and, you know, wanted to get into it, but, you know, was it, you know, pretty much what you expected or was, you know, a little bit different? Uh, it was a little different than I expected. Uh, I didn't I didn't think it was going to be as, you know, hard on your body, you know, training everyone, you know, people who are on the other side of the guardrail who are just a fan, they don't realize how bad, you know, running the ropes hurt when you first start training or taking bumps and doing all this kind of stuff. So, but, you know, I was determined to do this, I said, you know, I'm going to do death matches, you know, nothing's going to stop me. So, and I started training a company that hates death matches. So, <laughs> so I said, you know what, I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to start get, get the basics down, you know, and then eventually I can kind of spread my wings and get into the death match stuff. Like I always wanted to. So how did you make that transition from, you know, traditional wrestling training to actually getting into death matches? Well, uh, actually that, that company, I, uh, I started training with was Vendetta Pro. I no longer work there now, but I, you know, that's who I got into the business with. And I started out there. I told them, hey, you know, if you can do, let me do this hardcore match. Uh, you know, it's I live in the same town as we're running in. I guarantee I could sell you shitload of tickets. You know, so I ended up selling them like sixty tickets, and we made a very did crazy hardcore match like the people had never seen in that area. And he realized that it actually could draw, even though he hates it. So then uh, I ended up doing that. I ended up doing a little bit other places. I ended up uh, 
wrestling Drake Younger uh, twice um, in that area. Well, I did uh, first. I did Slaves to the Death Match in, in uh, Colorado. Then I did Drake Younger um, for Vendetta, and then Drake got me the hookup for CZW to do the Ultraviolet Underground Match, and uh, we did Dragon Gate USA together. And then I just started traveling. You know, I started putting in the work. You know, when I first started out doing the death matches. I, then I started going all over California doing it, you know, anywhere that there was hardcore uh, hardcore wrestling, I started trying to get there, you know. Yeah. Um, was Drake Younger the first, you know, uh, death match name, so to speak, that you wrestled? I wrestled Raven before I wrestled Drake, but uh, okay. Raven's not, not a death match guy, you know, um, right. and he didn't want to do anything. So Drake was the guy who, I credit Drake with, uh, you know, training me psychology-wise in death matches, you know, a little bit different than, uh, it's still the same story that you tell like a normal match, but just when mm-hmm. to do certain things and why you do them, you know, because I was all about, I love uh, Japanese death matches like Big Japan and stuff. I do not really like just, I don't want to go out just to break a bunch of stuff. I want to kind of, you know, tell a story like that and, and have that good psychology and stuff. So he really helped me, you know, in those three matches we did, we did. I wrestled him three times within a couple months uh, out here in California. Um, we actually did the ultraviolet underground match about three months after the barbed wire match, and then the next day we wrestled again at Dragon Gate in the death match, uh, six man. Uh, so we wrestled twice in two days. You know, uh, from the previous night, what I learned, you know, doing that CCW match, and then uh, doing the Dragon Gate match the next day, and uh, then he got signed. That was right when he got signed. Right after that. Right. <clears throat> yeah, to go back to um wrestling Raven, what was that like, you know, um he said he didn't want to do um, much or Well, uh, you know, he's coming in wrestling, you know, green ass kid like I was at the time. I think I've been in the business only like two years, maybe maybe less than that even. Probably, I think like two years. You know, yeah, of course he doesn't want to do much, you know, he's went and made his money, he's coming coming to get a check and all that kind of stuff. Uh which he was yeah. a cool guy, like, backstage and stuff like that, but out there he just didn't want to take anything. You know, he wanted to put me a headlock, walk around the, the building and stuff. But that match actually taught me a lot, too, because it taught me, you know, that would never happen again today. You know, since I wrestled him, now I've wrestled pretty much a lot of the main name deathmatch guys in, in different places, you know, on the East Coast and the Midwest and, the you know, out here in the West Coast. And it's a lot different now. I realize, you know, sometimes you just got to take shit. You know, you can't just, you know, let someone... He didn't walk all over me, per se, but he just didn't want to do anything and out of respect being a green-ass kid. I'm like, okay, yes, sir, you know, whatever you want, sir, you know. But right. at, now at the, you know, now when I work, guys, I, I know how to, you know, fire back and, and do it without, you know, even if they don't tell me to, I'm going to be right there, you know. I'm going to hang with, with basically anyone at this point, you know. I've won some of, those, some of the stiffest guys out there, so, I, you know, I'm not worried about that shit. But as far as uh, – veterans go, you know, I have a lot of respect and everything for anyone, you know, who's been in the business longer than me and basically any deathmatch wrestlers, but I also know now from, from doing that match, it taught me a different kind of thing other than, you know, learning in the ring, a different kind of learning, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I saw on, you know, some of your match listings that you wrestled the uh, the Ballard brothers quite a bit. I remember them back coming in CZW, wrestling the back seats and everything. Um, those guys were always good in CZW. Um, what was it like wrestling those guys? They're awesome. I learned so much about tag team wrestling uh, through the Ballard Brothers. I've probably wrestled the Ballard Brothers 30 times, and I just mm-hmm. I love those guys. Uh, you know, And, you know, the Ballard Brothers, 
you know, have a reputation for being, you know, great tag team and everything like that. But those guys like to lay it in and go out there, you know, and kick the shit out of each other and have a good time. And they're not, you know, they're not afraid to throw some heavy shots and stuff like that. A lot of people don't know that about them because they're, you know, they're, they've been in, you know, UPW and those kind of things, but they, they definitely, me and Sledge uh, as Creepshow, we wrestled them a lot. And that was, we, you know, we, we laid in pretty thick sometimes, you know, and they would just be right there, you know, kicking the shit out of us too. And they taught me a lot about tag team wrestling. And, uh, you know, I, I owe a lot to, to Shane and Shannon. Yeah. Um, you also wrestled D-Boy too. So, yeah, what was what was it like wrestling D-Boy? He was obviously huge on the East Coast, and you know he's been big on the West Coast for a long time. Yeah, you know what? Going into it, that was at Mex Pro probably like three years ago or something. I would say I, I'm not really sure on the date. Two, maybe two years ago. Going in, you know, mm-hmm. D-Boy being who he is, you know, a legend, you know, in indie wrestling, one of the best ever to me. You know, uh, going in there, I was like, man you know, can I hang, you know, with doing all these, you know, I'm I'm not too much of like a flippy guy, you know, <laughs> I'm not too much of, you know, I like to go out there and, and fight and tell a story, but fight, you know, go out there and fight and, and do some shit, you know, but, uh, yeah, that was, that match was my favorite match I've ever done. That wasn't a death match. I loved it. He, you know, going in there with him and, and afterwards he gave me massive respect and the mic in front of everybody and everything, you know, saying that I could go, you know, not just death match guy, all this stuff. And, really meant a lot to me. And Benny is like, you know, he's like my big brother in the business, you know, being from California. I see him all the time. You know, we're always on the same shows and stuff. And that's the only time we've ever wrestled. But I'd love to do it again now that it progressed a lot, I think, since that time. Right. Now, being a deathmatch guy as you are, um, but, you know, having worked these guys like B-Boy and the Ballard Brothers and, you know, the other guys that can definitely wrestle, do you feel like you need to kind of, you know, put those type of matches in there to break a little bit of the stigma that you're just a deathmatch guy? Um, you know, I really don't care about the stigma. If it was up to me, I'd always do deathmatches. You know, I, I'd love right. to wrestle those guys, but, you know, wrestling B-Boy in a deathmatch would be awesome too, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as far as the stigma and stuff like that, I really don't care what anybody thinks about it. You know, if they want to talk shit about deathmatch wrestlers, you know, and they don't think it's wrestling – uh, like I said on another interview I just did, you know, you can go to the ice cream store and you can get many different flavors of ice cream, but it's still ice cream. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's still wrestling. We still tell a story. They they think about, like, backyarders and that kind of shit, you know, and, and that should not be compared to guys like, you know, Big Japan guys and that kind of stuff, you know, where there's a, there's a psychology, there's a, you know, there's an art form to it, you know, just like, uh, like Tremont says, it's an art form, an art form, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, in Carnage Cup 9, you went out there and um, went to the finals. Um, what was your feelings on wrestling uh, Carnage Cup in Deep South? It was a lot of fun, and, and it was three three really different matches, you know. If you look at it, there are three different, really different style matches, you know. I I love, I love uh, you know, telling the story, death matches and stuff, but I also love grossing people out and trying to, you know, push the boundaries, you know. So And I know, you know, Spider Boudreaux, you know, He's my friend. I love that guy. You know, a lot of people don't want to say what they want to say about him, but uh, in, as far as, like, in that match, you know, it was a fun, good match, and we, I knew he was willing to do things, you know, the kind of things, the sick kind of shit that, that I'm into that a lot of people aren't willing to do, you know. So I had him, uh, you know, he put the fish hook through my throat and reeled me in like a fish, you know. That was pretty funny. And uh-huh. we, did, we did just a bunch of shit, and uh, that was, like, the sick-out match. And then... Uh, I wrestled Freak Show in the second round, who's another legend deathmatch wrestler, you know, been around forever. And uh, we told a different story, you know, like 
uh, me, you know, a lot of people expected, you know, I'd be, I'd be two and done at that point. You know, there's no way he's beating Freak Show, that kind of stuff. We told that story of, like, I came out the gate going for him, you know, and, and getting a lot at the beginning, you know, and people were like, wow, you know, he he might actually win, you know, and then at the end, you know, it seemed like he was going to win, and I won, and it was that's a diff- it was just a different kind of more of a storytelling match, you know. And then right. in the finals, you know, that we we went all batshit crazy. That was awesome. Did the Wee Whacker for like I think that was the the fourth time I did the Wee Whacker <laughs> with Tremont, yeah. and uh, we did that huge bump, which that bump, man. If you if you watch that video, those tables, me and Tremont are two big guys, you know, to come through off of that huge ass balcony just through two tables, mm-hmm. and they didn't even break our fall. I landed sideways. I couldn't walk for a week. Like, when I went back on the, to the airport, I was, like, hobbling, you know, bent over like an old man. <laughs> couldn't walk for a week. Yeah. And I still have back pain from that bump, but, you know, that was that was something else, too, you know. And then he put me over at the end, and I love that dude. He's one of my – one of the guys I really like in the business, you know, that I've met. And I've only, I've only wrestled him twice, but, you know, he's my brother, so. Yeah. What's the worst injury you've – had you know since uh your beginning of wrestling um there i would say there's two different types of injuries like in death matches there's the oh shit mm-hmm. i'm hurt i can't walk kind of bump which was that one you know to where like i you know i still feel it in my back sometimes to where like i'll get up i get up slower you know ever since that, that one bump and that was pretty rough and then at uh at UEW here in California, I had a massive chunk taken out of me. It looked like a shark bite to where, I mean, it was down to the bone and flapped open on my arm. I don't know if you ever wow. saw pictures or anything, but I, I've never went to the hospital, never got stitches before that or anything like that. I always super glued myself, you know, super glue, super glue, everything, you know, and I always had no problems, but there was nothing to super glue. It was like, if you look, if you go to my Instagram um, or my Facebook and look at those, those pictures, you could see it. It's just, it looks weird, you know, it's just a giant hole in my arm and it would just would not stop bleeding. I went to the hospital like two days later I think and got uh got stitched up because I tried to super glue it, but there was just no skin left. There's nothing I couldn't close it no matter what I did, you know, I tried so hard and finally I ended up having to break down go to the hospital and get it all stitched up. But that that was probably the craziest like oh, I could probably bleed out right now if I don't take care of this kinda of, kinda of issue. Yeah. What what ripped you open that way? Um, I have no idea, dude. I still don't know to this day. I watched the video. I think it was a, a light tube that was already broken. Like, there's a spot in the match where there's a big cart of light tubes and uh, BC Killer throws me into it, you know? And I think some of them might yeah. have already been broken. That's the only thing I can think of. He thought maybe yeah. he'd give me the Vader bomb with the barbed wire board on me. He thought maybe it was from that. But I, I watched the video back a couple times just to see, like, what the fuck? What did I do wrong to cut myself like this? I've done a million light tubes and never anything like this, but... It's that freak accident, you know. It was just—I think it was just a broken light tube that, you know, when the light tube's already broken, that's just dangerous, you know. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that happen with a lot of guys. It just kind of melon balls you. <laughs> yeah. Fucking crazy. Um, I saw on your match listing. This is a guy who, you know, he has a lot of. Um, not a lot of people have a lot of good things to say about him, but you wrestled Mister California. What's your thoughts on that guy? <laughs> Yeah, I had no idea I was going to do that till till the day I got there, and they said, "Oh well, we have this angle. We're going to interject you. You know, it's me entering the company." And at the time, that guy was saying he's going to pay to fly in all these people. He's going to pay for this and that, you know. And they're and he's paying and he's bringing all the gimmicks for the whole show, and he's doing this and that, and just 
you know, money, 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 money. But yeah, it was, it was not a good match, and it was, you know, reckless and all that kind of shit. You know, all the things you hear about him. Like he's a nice guy. Like to me, I, I'd heard a bunch of shit about him at, at first. You know, about like Drake's flight and that kind of stuff. You know, you hear about that kind of stuff and him canceling people. And Masada did not have some good things to say about him at King's death. And you know, everyone who's ever worked for him, like that much name guys. Uh, you know, they hate him, and it just, you know, I, I I didn't want to wrestle him because of the stigma. So, you know, you say there's a stigma with death matches, but this is a guy within death matches. <laughs> the stigma, you know, so it's way different, yeah. you know. So, but, you know, I was already there. I was I was planning to just do a run-in is what I came down there for, so I did it, and, you know, I came away unscathed, and it ended up working out, you know. I broke Andre Verdun's arm for real because he's crazy, and he just, he doesn't know when to stop. Uh, you know, it was an act, the only time any kind of freak injury I've ever done to anybody. But uh, we, and then I wrestled him, you know, because Andre was gone uh, out of out of action after that. So, uh, right. I, you know, I don't have, I don't, I, I'm kind of neutral. You know, I I kind of like to stay out of it and just wrestle and not. I don't like to talk shit about people and stuff. So, sure. Um, so yeah, then you you um this. Just this year, you went down to a King of the Death match, and um, obviously, you know, legendary independent death match tournament, um, probably one of the biggest in the United States. Um, what was it like going down there and wrestling King of the Death match? It was awesome. When Ian hit me up, you know, I was I was hoping he would. I'm not one. Of, I'm not the type to to try to get booked at bigger places like that. I think that's kind of, you throw yourself, hey, hey, book me, book me, book me. I think it's a negative light. So I'm like, well, I'm going to wait, you know. Same with uh, Carnage Cup, same with all these other places. Like if anyone, you know, I figure if I do a good job, I go out there and kill it, then people will want to book me, and I don't like to have to get booked. So when In hit me up, uh, you know, I was real happy. And, uh, you know, King of the Death is just the longest-running, uh, greatest American Deathmatch tournament. That, that's going on today, and uh, to get out there with all those guys, you have the best in the business, and a lot of people say that was, like, one of the best King of the Deaths ever, so, you know, just to be involved yeah, with that, yeah, it was sure. great. First round, you had uh, one of the best first-round matches. Um, most people would call it the best first-round match. I mean, I, I personally, I like the Tremont Tank match, but it's splitting hairs. I mean, they were both amazing matches. I mean, you, you got to put them both right up there if you're going to, you know, say what the best match was, but um, you know, you guys went in there, you and Brian Woods went in there, and uh, fans bring the weapons, you guys killed it. I mean, you, you used everything under the sun, and, um, you know, what was your feelings on the match? Well, a lot of people are saying, like, uh, oh, you know, I make all this stuff, no one ever uses fans bring the weapons, so I got right on there on the social media and said, if you, if you, if you make it, there's nothing too sick for this match, because Brian Woods is another one of those guys that is like me that likes to push the envelope and do things that will disgust people in addition to wrestling and telling a good story, but just turning it up a notch to trying to do things that people had never seen before, you know? So I knew we would go out there and kill it. At first, I was like, man, you know, because there's guys I'd wrestled Brian Woods before at Carnage Cup, you know, and it was a good match and everything mm-hmm. in the finals. And, uh, but there's guys like, you know, Masada, Nick Gage, some of the guys that, like, I really grew up watching and made me want to do death matches. So at first I was like, wow, man, uh, that's that's awesome that I'm in the tournament and stuff. But I'm like, and then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? It's better this way. It's better for it to be 
me and Brian Woods, relatively no name in IWA, we go out there, we kill it, and he's down to work just as hard and do just as crazy stuff to prove a point, you know, that we belong. And we got the first, like, this is awesome, and IWA, please come back, chance, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, a lot of people, you know, some of the guys, you know, the bigger names in Deathmatch Wrestling in the locker room said, uh, you know, we went out there and killed it. But those uh, those Kenzons are no joke. <laughs> yeah. Was that the first time you took that crazy shit? Yeah, that that was the only – that was probably, like, the last gimmick that I never did. You know what I mean? As far as, like, any kind of deathmatch weapons you can think of, that was, like, the last one. And, you know, I didn't even – that day is when I – you know, it was fans bringing the weapons, and I don't know if you know Yuki, you know, little Yuki yeah. from Japan, uh-huh. you know. Fans bring the weapons. He comes from Japan and brings me these Kenzons and says, JD, JD, you know, yes, yes, do you use this? I'm like, sure, whatever. I said, you know, nothing's too crazy, so – we're going out there to prove a point, but that shit, it didn't really hurt going in and stuff, you know? Out there, it wasn't as bad as I yeah. thought it would be, but, man, it took Masada, like, 15 minutes yanking at my head to try to get it out, you know, in the back. And then finally, yeah. uh, Devin Moore, Devin Moore, you know, much smaller, comes up with one hand and just brute strength gets it out just right away, you know, the second one, because there's two. One of them just took forever, and then the second one, you know, <laughs> it was pretty yeah. rough. Yeah, that was my next question. I was going to ask how long did it take you to get him out because I saw um, Kobayashi getting him taken out after a tournament of death. And, I mean, you could see, like, his whole scalp lifting up as they're trying to pull it out of his head. It, it, that shit got it. Yeah, it was just like right? that. Yeah, it, no, it was in my skull. Yeah, it was in my skull. There's no way it was just in skin. Um, and it was worse because there was two of them. Um, and the thing is, the first one took 15, 20 minutes. The second one probably took, like, 10 minutes, so a good half an hour of just ripping and ripping and trying to get it out and different angles, you know, standing, like I was sitting in a chair and he's got one foot up on the table, you know, really just like trying to, like you're trying to pull a tree out of the ground, you know, like trying as hard as humanly possible. That's how, how stuck that shit was in my head. So that was, that was pretty rough. That was one of the gnarlier gimmicks just coming out, you know, but uh, definitely, you know, I do not regret it. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I may not do it again. <laughs> I may, I may not. I'm not saying I'm never going to do it again, but I may not do it again. <laughs> Probably leave it alone for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yuki, uh, if I do a fans bring the weapons, do not bring one to me again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so then uh, second round, you go in against Matt Fremont. Um, you know, the guy goes over and wins the second straight King of the Death match. You know, first round, he killed it against Tank. You killed it against Brian Woods. Um, you know, what was it like going in the second round with Matt Remont? I, you know, the, I watched the match back. Like, after the match, I was like, fuck, man. I always wanted to work him one-on-one. And I was like, damn it. You know, because I was I was loopy as fuck. I, was, I think I was half concussed from the guitar shot with the hands-ons and stuff like that. And also, if you see that shot where I, I take the cannonball from Brian Woods with the, the glass door and it cuts the shit out of the side of my head, I was just, uh-huh. I, I didn't, I'm, I'm still, today I'm bleeding two months later from, from my head from that. It just won't, it won't stop, you know, and I bled so much from that. So between the blood loss, the lack of sleep the night before, and just the, you know, being semi-concussed, you know, going into it, I was feeling like crap, you know what I mean? It was, I was really, it was rough. If you see me walking out there, that's a shoot, you know what I mean? I I, I was in rough shape going into the match. Uh, 
that being said, you know, it wasn't the greatest match. It was good. You know, it wasn't bad. There's nothing bad about it. You know, you can see, if you look at my eyes in some parts of that match, I'm like, damn, I'm concussed. I watched the, the video back to my brow. You know, I can see the, I can see it on my face, you know. But, uh, but I, you know, working Matt Tremont, he took care of me, man. He's a consummate professional. He's my bro. I knew it was, that was the guy for me work second round being so fucked up, you know what I mean, between all those other things I was talking about, you know, uh, it was the, it was the right guy for me to work. And, uh, and I, I just wish I could do it again. One-on-one hundred percent, you know, maybe someday, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think the, the deck was stacked a little high between, you know, you and, uh, Brian Woods both being, you know, first time guys. And I, I mean, me and many of people in the crowd legitimately didn't know who was going to win that match. I mean, there's, there's a good, you know, handful of matches you could look at on paper and go, well, that guy's going to go to the second round. But, you know, you guys yeah. being kind of newcomers, you know, with a lot to prove, and we didn't we didn't know who was winning that. That was a little rough as a, yeah. you know, as a first rounder. Uh, no, it, I, I'm glad I'm glad it went down that way, you know. I'm glad it went down that way, yeah. uh, you know. It was a perfect first round match for, for me to kind of go in there and show at the beginning wrestling. Not just going out there, we're just not just swinging. So we're actually locking up, we're wrestling, we're doing some spots, we're doing our shit. You know what I mean? And then we, you know, even teasing the weapons, not just going straight into the weapons. And then when we went, we just went fucking hard. You know, we just went balls out as soon as we started going to it. Okay, it's time to go. You know, time to fucking turn it up a notch. King of the death. You know, you only get one chance at places like that. You only get the way I look at it. You only get one chance. You know, if we go in there and shit the bed mm-hmm. and just you know do this average death match, no one will give a shit about it on a card that has. Masada, Nick Gage, fucking, you know, all Tremont, Corp, you know, all the the best deathmatch guys, you know, in America. So, like, if we go out there um, and give this average match, there's no fucking way, you know. Like, to me, we were like, we were both saying, uh, we have to go steal the show, you know. We have to try to go steal the show. we got to go out there and kill it. And even Ian in the back, you know, saying, you know, all you guys, all you name guys have been around for a while. If you if you don't think that that Brian Woods and JD Horror out going out there to steal your spot and steal steal the show tonight, you better be wrong. You know, like everyone's got to deliver. You know, so and I think we did. You know, yeah. And uh, it was a great experience. You know, might might be my favorite uh, experience. It might be my favorite experience in wrestling so far. King of Death. At some point, um, Brian Woods was trying to light a, a Roman candle that wouldn't light. What what exactly was the plan going on with with the Roman candle? Uh, well, you know I'm, you know I'm sick, <laughs> sick in the head. So I'm you know to do some of this kind of stuff. So we're trying to do something that's never been done before. And uh, if he would have got it lit, I don't know how I would feel about it now. <laughs> I wish at the time I was like, man, but I just can't sit there. You know, I'm not the type that. I'll, I won't sit there forever. You know what I mean? If it's not working, it's not right. working. Time to go to plan B. Right. You know what I mean? So, so, but uh, yeah, it would have been very painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, man, if he lights the second thing, I don't know how well that's gonna go over. But Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, maybe better it didn't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I still wish it lit. I don't care. You know, you can't. You paint is paint is just for right now. You know what I mean? When the video and, and all the people seeing it and stuff, you know, if you go to some shit show with 30 people or something like that that's not on DVD, I'm not going to take no Roman Candle. You know what I mean? That's retarded. Right, right. But, but at King of the Death Matches, you know, like the biggest American yeah. Death Match tournament, you know, arguably, like it's time to it's time to turn it up, you know? Sure. 
sir. Um, so then, um, you know, back in Cali in your home fed, um, they bring in Billy Graham and yourself and Sage both become members of cult fiction. Um, you know, take me through that and, you know, what that meant to you. Cause I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. Cult fiction, you know, is, has a storied history and, um, you know, all of its members, sure, are, you know, top notch. Yeah. The best deathmatch wrestlers, you know, some of the best, you know, and, uh, you know, it actually all started at King of the Death. You know, Toby did commentary for my match with Brian Woods. So, and he was really impressed with it. He really liked it, you know. And after that, you know, even being semi, you know, concussed and dying and stuff like that, I had, <laughs> I had a good talk with him, you know, uh, out in the parking lot, you know, hung out with him, got to know him. Actually, you know, I consider him a good friend now. You know, even after just that one meeting, just, you know, we talked, shot the shit for a while because they had Queen, I uh, had a Queen of the Death after King of the Death before my second round. So there was hours and hours, you know, be- between that first match, right. the second match, even though they were the same day. And uh, so I you know, kind of got to know him, shot the show with him. He really liked the match, and uh, we had mutual friends out here, homeless Jimmy, um, and everything. And and he he knew Billy was out here and everything. We got to talking about it, and uh, Billy came into UEW, and Toby told uh, Billy, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it out there, the 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 guy, the one guy you need to do, who you need to bring in is JD. So and that means a lot coming from Toby Klein because. You know, and, and Billy had watched my shit, too, you know, and he was thinking about it. He, I was already in his, in his peripherals, you know what I mean? So just mm-hmm. from he was kind of scouting feds out there to see, you know, where's he going to work? You know, is he going to, you know, and UW is the choice. You know, there's no other choice out here in California for, for uh, cult fiction, for Billy Graham. And, uh, you know, for, for Toby to say that, it means a lot because J.C. Bailey, Brain Damage, you know, Masada, all, all these guys, Toby, Deranged, all, you know, the whole history of cult fiction, it's just some of the best guys ever. So, and those are the guys that I watched, you know, when I started saying, you know what, I want to do death with you, know? Right. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's pretty awesome stuff. Um, if you had to make like a three match compilation of, you know, your favorite stuff, you know, to show, to get booked or whatever the case is, what would those three matches be? Um, it's pretty hard. Um, Probably that match with Brian Woods is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. The first, the first Drake match, the barbed wire match at Vendetta Pro, in front of people who had never even seen hardcore wrestling, and we did a barbed wire massacre death match with staple guns and you know a bunch of bunch of crowd. I took the the uh, cop killer on on my head on the barbed. Wire. It was it was crazy. You know that was a crazy good match, and you can see in the video like if I watch it now, I'm like, man, it's a good match, but just my. I'm, I was still learning, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm still learning now, I'm, you know. So I wish I could redo it. That's another match I wish I could redo, but I would include that because it actually shows wrestling and and spots and complicated sequences and reversals and all that kind of stuff, you know. Because Drake's all about that kind of shit. That'd be probably another one. And then uh, for the last one, it would either be there's I I had some matches out here in California that really a lot of them you don't see on the internet and stuff, Max Pro, you know, that match with B-Boy, uh, Wrestle Carnage there, that was a great match. Um, me and BC Killer have been feuding for three years. We've had probably a dozen crazy death matches. He's a good guy that, anyone listening to this, if you like death matches, you need to check out BC Killer out here. Uh, and he's my arch ne- nemesis, basically. Um, so that's another mm-hmm. guy. And then just, just two weeks ago at UEW, me and Sledge had a hell of a death match for a guy who'd never done a death match in his life. That's a straight wrestler, been in WWE tryouts, all this kind of stuff. You know, 
doesn't doesn't do the hardcore, you know, and being being, you know, my best friend here and everything before that and then falling out and then going in there and we tore it down. Uh, you know, Andre Verdun who who uh who you, you might know as Youth Suicide from XPW and uh and Wrestling Society X and he's in UW now, he goes by Andre Verdun, his real name. He said it was the best death match in UW ever. And that means a lot, you know, because we've done a lot. Me and Homeless Jimmy did the 200 light tubes there. That was a good one. I don't know. I couldn't – that third spot, there's a lot that I could I couldn't narrow it down. You know, those first two, me and Drake and me and uh, Brian Wood, those would probably be the first two. And then all those other matches I'm just talking about, would, one of them would be the – I could rotate them out, and all of them would be just as good, you know. All right. Um, what are your goals? Like, what are you trying to accomplish, you know, within your career? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a deathmatch legend yet. That would be pretty awesome to be up there with some of these guys, you know, that I mentioned earlier to be in that kind of, uh, you know, be, be one of those names that gets thrown out there as, you know, watch this guy's matches, you know, showing somebody just getting a deathmatch. That would be good. Um, Japan is a huge goal. Um, winning a deathmatch tournament is probably my most important goal. I've interesting fact in every deathmatch tournament I've ever been in, I've only ever lost to the person who won the tournament. Oh, um, and that's, that's like, not a bad. Yeah, I've I've never I've never lost to anyone who wasn't the winner of that tournament, which is very annoying if you think about it. You know, on a professional level, like damn it, you know, so close yet so far all the time. Whether it's no matter what round it's in, it's always been to the eventual tournament winner, not just eliminated along the way. So that's kind of a, a weird distinction. But actually getting that big win, you know, and and, and uh, being, you know, a deathmatch tournament winner, that would be a huge, a huge goal for me, probably the biggest goal in addition to. And then the, and then the other thing, too, is just making UEW get a bigger name. We're doing some good shit out here. You know, you you got to check it out, Underground ITV. Uh, it's getting better. The production values are getting better. The level of talent's getting better. You know, the draws up. We got our own building now. It's just, you know, I'm just a wrestler there. I'm not like the booker or anything like that. But I, sure. I really believe in that company. You know, and I really want it to uh, succeed. So that that company succeeding more than my own goals is probably more important to me. Sure. Um, how can people uh, check out UEW? Uh, they can look up Underground Empire Wrestling. Uh, they can look at all the Underground ITVs on Vimeo. Just search for Underground Empire Wrestling. There's a Facebook group, UEW Underground Fiends. They can join that Facebook group. All the info goes out there. So that's a, a and there's a like page too. Uh, they can follow me. They can follow Billy Graham. They can follow Andre Verdun, BC Killer, Homeless Jimmy, B Boy. You know, all the people that are involved with it are constantly throwing stuff out there. So Sage, of All course, right. I, I don't want to neglect to mention Sage, my sister, you know? <laughs> All right. Um, um, random question. Uh, what are some of your biggest pet peeves in life in general? It doesn't have to be wrestling related. Pet peeves in life. Uh, life. I don't like when people say literally a lot, you know, <laughs> that literally. Yeah. Killed me. No, it didn't. You're fucking alive. Shut the fuck up. You know, I don't right, like that. Right. You know, just like some kind of like grammar and like speech things that people say, like, 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 like. Basically, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Literally, literally. <laughs> right. You know that that's that shit pisses me off. Um, 
I don't really like being told what to do ever. That's that's a pet peeve. Like, that's just a punk rock kind of thing. You know, it's just like, I don't like people try, try to tell me how to live my life or what I need to believe in. I don't like people who, uh, another pet peeve, I'm totally anti-racist, anti-sexist, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't like people judging other people based on their beliefs if they're not hurting anybody else, you know. That's another thing that really gets sure. to me. Um, yeah, that's those are probably the major ones. All right. Um, what are some dream matches you have, guys, that you want to work you haven't worked before? Number one would be Jun Kasai in the barbed wire crucifix match, you know, the barbed wire crosses. That would probably be my oh, I stipulation and everything for it, huh? Yeah. Oh, for sure, you know, because <laughs> if you think about who the guy you're going to work, you've got to think about the match that they that they do, you know? Um, sure. I would like to be in a, a high-profile match with Matt Tremont one-on-one, not going into it in a tournament. So, you know, because he's, he's the dude right now, you know? He's the dude mm-hmm. right now in deathmatch wrestling. When you look at it, you know, he's the yeah. guy. So, uh, Nick Gage, of course, you know, I, I'm i okay with getting the shit kicked out of me for 50 minutes too, Murak. No. <laughs> uh, no, I love Murak. I'm just kidding. Uh, that would be another guy, Masada. Um, just Kobayashi, Reiji Ido, uh, all the all those guys, you know. That's a lot of a lot of the Japanese guys, you know. I wish I could wrestle Cactus Jack in a death match or Terry Funk or something like that. That'd be awesome, but that's never gonna happen. You know, there's some goals that you can't can't do. But uh, yeah, yeah, those are those are some of my dream match, matches. Yeah, you a football fan? Uh, not really, dude. I, I I watch a little bit of UFC, you know, sometimes like if it's a high profile match, but. I just watch death matches and horror movies mainly. That's like oh, really all I really watch on TV. I read a lot of books, uh, but I'm not too much of a huge like basketball, baseball, football fan. You know, uh, I, if I was going to pick my football team, I always bet on the Steelers because of like uh, Madden '94 or '95 on Super Nintendo. I used to play the Steelers. <laughs> That'd be like my team because huh? that, but for no other reason. <laughs> all right. Um, you know, uh, you're a big horror guy. I'm not really, but um, I'm sure people would like to know. What are your top three, your top five horror movies? Um, well, most of them I got tattooed on me if they're one of my favorites. Uh, if you look at my right arm, I have a giant reanimator tattoo. That's my favorite, absolute favorite horror movie. It's got comedy. It's got everything. And it's just amazing. Uh, Evil Dead 2 is another huge one that I love. Uh, Dead, mm-hmm. Al- Dead Alive, a.k.a. Brain Dead. The dude that made Lord of the Rings made some crazy horror movie before he got famous. That's like one of the goriest movies ever. Those may be my top three. And then I also like uh, some of the newer extreme shit. Uh, Martyrs is an awesome movie. Inside. Um, I like From Beyond. I like any of the like H.P. Lovecraft-based movies from Beyond and the, Mount- the Madness, those kind of movies. All right. Um but, yeah, um, is there anything else you want to put out there? I think that's about all I got. But, you know, anything else you want to throw out there or mention the floor is yours, man. Yeah, um, you know, I got music. I've been, been in punk bands for years. So look out for Grave Command, Trap Like Rats. Those are two bands I've been currently. Old bands, Weapon A, Public Evocation. Uh, follow UEW. Give it a chance. Watch that shit. Share it. Tell a friend. Tell You know, spread that shit like wildfire because – there's not too many companies who do it right here in America as far as deathmatch, you know. Uh, there's only mm-hmm. they're few and far between. So, you know, and that's a company that has guys like people are doing matches. You know, it's more of a throwback to the 
the old like the old school CCW or IWA days where you know just a very a variety of uh, show. So UEW and then Cult Fiction, you know, to the death. Been in only for a few months now, and I'm already saying to the death, follow Cult Fiction, share that shit, tell a friend Absolutely. about that, you know, order a shirt, support, support Deathmatch Wrestling, you know. Guys on there, you see guys selling shirts, buy a shirt. We kill ourselves for you guys, you know. Um, Brian Woods, hit, hit up uh, Brian Woods GoFundMe right now. He needs a little bit of help. So, any of you guys listening to this, if you like Deathmatches, donate 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it takes. He just came out of surgery, so he needs some help right now. So, please... Everyone donate to that and then, uh, you know, support Deathmatch Wrestling. Awesome. Yeah, man. So, um, you know, thanks for coming on, man. I definitely love to have you back on in the future. Just, you know, keep telling it out there. I hope you get some of these dream matches under your belt. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. You know, it's been a pleasure. No problem, man. And it was nice to meet uh, you at King of the Death, too. Yeah, you Absolutely, too. Absolutely, man. Right. You're a great guy. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye. So there you go. J.D. Horror, man. Uh, like I said, he killed it in King of the Death. I know he's doing big, big shit over there in California. And I, you know, I wanted to have him on, get a, just to know a little bit more about him. And, you know, for anybody who hasn't heard about the guy, as far as death matches go, man, he's, he's definitely one of those guys you should check out. So. Um, gotta take a break, come back, uh, talk some, uh, Nick Cage Invitational coming up, and, uh, On Point Wrestling was a show that I attended this past Saturday, so I have that to talk about as well, so, uh, I think you know what I'm about to play, or at least who I'm about to play, check it out. It's not a competition, it's a cooperation, stupid-ass house, nigga. I can't see you, though, bitch. You see me? The devil is a motherfucking liar. So you know I ain't worried. Be honest. You don't like it? Kiss my ass. You don't like it? It's my house. Hey, yo. Listen. Hey, yo. Gather round, motherfuckers, and stop the bullshitting. Before I go gun home, phone forward and full business. It don't make a difference if Sean ripping the crime. Guns up, thumbs up, motherfucker, Devon. Sean, throw the sweet like Abdul Jabbar. You too old to be rapping how true you are. Throw your punk ass in front of a moving car. Six and stone break holes, words don't hurt me, pa. Listen, Jack and Jill went up the hill. They got told back by busy won't bag and bill. Amazing race, eat the food of your plate Wash it down with some milk, bitch, you know I'm built Sean Price is a Negro, Luke Ferrito Incredible flow, bitch, I'm letting you know I'm the boot camp general, the veteran spoke Remember the Alamo flow, going for broke I come to the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit No matter how you come with me If you, if you down doing what I'm talking about doing Lawyers to get this book open Train in these waters to get the poor The fatherless and the widows The up out of them penitentiaries You down with that You ain't down with that Shut your goddamn ass up Hey yo as I combine all the shells from my nine Run up, gun up, that is cracking your spine Powerful impact, boom from the cannon A new sheriff in town, clown, I'm Reggie Hammond I'm trying to get rich and die trying You die trying to get rich, that's when the nine lines them Birds stay with my wordplay and mind in my mind I'm at the herb gate, these niggas ain't selling no dimes Get deep in your face, I do but not in your grill Body somebody and jump with my Ducati and pill 
I'm not like these other rappers, flashes the pants, dance steps, fuck a rapper, ruckus after the gold and after that the platinum, beef after that hurricane string pack the gas son, motherfucker, son of a bitch. All right, I'm back. So, yeah, man, um, first, before the wrestling, uh, my fitness is going great, man. Um, all, all my fucking training is definitely going fucking great. I've been pretty consumed with it. Um, I've been a month now on this new regiment, both eating and training, you know, under this regiment, and um, I, I'm up like 10 pounds. You know, I was I was probably about a buck 55. Um, for for quite some time and would um, only move very little. Um, here and there, I'd get up around 160, but really that shit would hold like, you know, for four hours. Like I could, you know, blink, you know, and uh, weigh myself again. I'd be right back, you know, closer to 155 type thing. So, and that that's where I was kind of stuck for a while. And um, th- this regimen has me eating a shitload more. And in one month, like I said, I'm up. I'm I'm at like 165 now. You know, weighed myself. I'm at 165 today, yesterday, same day. You know, same thing last week. You know, that's that's where I'm at now. So by this time next month, I expect to be in the 170s. I'm doing what I'm doing. And um, you know, it was a little weird initially doing the, the training this way but I can tell you I like it and I know that I'm fucking killing it because I'm sore where I'm supposed to be sore um, the the awkward part about it was the two days off because I would never intentionally take two days off at the gym but um, it's on to off to and dude I'm fucking sore for both of my off days every fucking week and it I think it it helps you go a lot fucking harder knowing that, you know, after that day, too, you got two days to rest that shit off. You know you're going to be back in the gym the next day. You can go hard, but you're still kind of, you know what I mean, a little bit mindful that you got to be back in there and move your shit again. So um, it's been working really, really well for me. There's a lot of exercises that I kind of stay away from, and, um, you know, I'm – fucking targeting the shit out of those like the deadlifts and all that stuff i had never done that stuff before because you know a little bit of lower back problems and stuff kind of worried me so but they got me fucking right into that shit and targeting the fuck out of it and i'm doing some some really really good shit with it so i'm really really excited about my progress and i continue to make progress i'm just this is just the beginning And and i keep saying that shit because i'm telling you every Every time I hit another another uh, step up, it's still, I mean, it's like a never-ending staircase. I never put a ceiling on my success or my, um, or you know, my personal success or, uh, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm just, uh, there's there's no picture of what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm just fucking going at it and building off of what I got, you know. Um, I'm always going to try to outdo myself, and as long as I'm trying to outdo myself, I know I'm making progress. And, uh, you know, that's the same way I went with the running. Uh, Speaking of, a week from this Saturday, this coming Saturday, on the 12th, I'll be finishing my uh, Spartan trifecta. I'll be doing the Super Spartan in Vernon, New Jersey. It's my first race in over a month because I had skipped the August race in order to up my training. And uh, it was a 
the best decision I could have made because, like I said, uh, I'm doing such big things now. The only thing that I'm a little bit fucking off on, which is a kind of crucial thing, is the running, man. Um, I actually ran like a mile and a half the other night, and that was the first I ran in probably a month. Um, fucking crazy. And um, it's all right because my legs, I've been working my legs like crazy, and I'm getting back on the running from now until race time couple days before and i got this shit i'm gonna be right on it um my whole body's stronger than it was last race so i'm good on that um what else what else um so yeah i'm really looking forward to that finishing the trifecta some shit i just never thought i'd be able to do you know um started this year off with the beast then i did the sprint and now this is the super which is the only spartan race i did last year so it's the same race that I did last year, but you got to do them within that that um that calendar year. You get all three, put those fucking medals together, you got your trifecta, and uh, that that's a big deal to me. Then after that, I got two more races. I got the Badass Dash in October, and I got um the uh, Tough Mudder in November, which I still dread like a motherfucker because it's 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 November. Um, speaking of November, um, November fourteenth. Jersey All-Pro returns, and they're coming back fucking big. Some of the lineup you got, I mean, they're just announcing talent for the most part. You got the Hardys on the show. You got LAX. You got, um, you know, for your, your name recognition type shit. Um, obviously, Jesus is the champion. He's going to be in there doing something. They got um, Nick Gage is announced for it. Um, Joey and... Uh, Candice doing their thing. Um, And, uh, you know, biggest biggest thing about that, everybody's going to want to, you know, check that shit out, is one of the biggest dream matches ever is Loki going up against one of the guys he credits with his, his inspiration for doing what he does, one of his idols, Rey Mysterio Jr. That shit is going to be off the fucking chain. So you're going to want to not miss that shit. You're not going to want to miss that shit is what I meant to say, but same difference. Um, November 14th, Jersey All-Pro returns. And, you know, we'll get into more of that as as we get closer because, you know, we got some time and um, a lot more shit is going to be booked. Um, huge, huge news. Um, Biff Busick and Rich Swan have reportedly signed with the WWE NXT situation over there um could not be more deserving for a guy like rich swan rich swan is to me the definition of entertainment um the dude is is funny um he's athletically just amazing and i mean this dude the type of shit that this dude could do in the ring is just you know that upper echelon high flying shit he could wrestle his ass off and um you know, he, he's just an entertaining dude overall. And, um, you know, big, big shout-out to fucking Rich Swan, man, because uh, he deserves that shit, and uh, he's he's going to kill it in there. He's, he's definitely going to kill it in there. Um, Biff Music is a guy who, you know, as soon as I saw him in CCW, I knew that this guy has this intensity. He's He's got that intensity that, um, you know, like that – you know, uh, you know, 
that Chris Benoit type intensity. You know, uh, you know, I'd imagine he's a better family guy, but um, you know, I mean, the dude's got some serious shit going on, um, some strength, intensity, and and he's a uh, he's just a really good worker that way. So I think everything he brings to the table, he's going to be big over there. I think he's going to do his thing. Um, I mean, both of these dudes are so young that, I mean, the amount of stuff that they can accomplish in there, if they just stay, stay within that program, I mean, the sky's the limit for these guys, um, especially Swan, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's um, that's pretty much that. Uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooker is now being charged with the murder of his, uh, his girl. So, um, you know, I mean, people have been saying this shit for years, whether it be comically or in passing or whatever, shoot interviews and this and that. They've been saying this shit for years, fucking 30 years later, this dude's just now being brought up on charges. The guy's got fucking cancer, and now he's being brought up on charges and shit like that. I mean, if he did it, well, fuck. I mean, I, I just don't understand why it took so goddamn long to figure out that the dude killed it this chick and um you know and charge him with it for Christ's sake. God damn. I'm not saying they shouldn't charge him now at all. I mean of course fucking beat a chick to death. It's fucking crazy. But again, I mean is WWE Hall of Famer, so what what do they do now? You know? Uh, I don't know. It's um you know, WWE is becoming a very um dusty Hall of Fame, so to speak, because um you know, they, they want to try to, you know, brush Hogan off for the shit that he's doing, but then you got Sonny doing what she's doing. You got Snooker killing motherfuckers, you know, back in the day where that shit was well-known enough where, hey, man, whether it was proved or not, I bet you there was a few people on the inner circle that knew what was up, and they, they still went ahead with it. So, I don't know. It, it's fucking crazy. But, um, you know, what can you do? A legend tarnished. First day on shit. Um, yeah, it's just it's just fucking crazy. Um, what else? What else? Um, well, I guess uh, let me get into the on point thing. Um, so I went and uh, attended my first on point show at uh, Williamstown, New Jersey. And um, you know, first off, let's talk about the venue a little bit. Very very small building. Um, obviously, it gets hot as fuck in there. Um, because it's small. Um, personally, I like the venue. Um, other than obviously being hot and, um, you know, being kind of crammed in there, um, from talking to a few people that were complaining about the, the space and everything, were saying that it looks like they crammed more chairs into the rows than they usually did to try to fit more people in there. So the rows might have been a little bit more tight than they usually are. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was a little rough. Um, yeah, I was sitting next to Hogan, so that that's not a small dude. So, um, you know, I mean, it, but it, I, I've been to a lot of wrestling events, so it didn't, like, you know, put me off or anything like that. But like I said, the event, that, that real small, intimate setting. thing is with that type of setting is I think for on-point wrestling to really survive and, and grow – they got to be on some some serious fucking eye pay per view DVD sales and I, DVD sales. I, I really think of the a uh, thing of the past. 
I really don't believe in DVD sales anymore. I don't believe in, in too much of that physical shit. You got to think, man, over time, this is this is what has happened to media. Media has completely changed. You know, I mean, back in the day, you had VCR tapes, you had cassette tapes. And then, you know, it went from there, and all your cassette tapes were pretty much fucking uh, irrelevant. And, and your VCR tapes, you know, some people still kind of kept the... the uh, you know, had a deck, CD deck, so they'd still get to play some of their tapes and, you know, fucking tapes getting caught up in in the shit and all tangled. You pull it all out, have to reel it back up. And, um, you know, same thing, some, some cars, you know, with the tape decks. And, um, you know, some people keep a VCR around, you know, to watch some old shit. But for the most part now, everybody's has converted over whatever they had as far as tapes go. There's some people who keep tapes. I, I don't. I, there's probably a name for those people, but um, you know, everything's been converted to disc at this point. So, um, so then you went to discs and you went to CDs and books of CDs and fucking thirty, fifty, hundred CD changers, trunks. You know, your trunk full of CDs and uh, you know, I got books and books of DVDs and shit like that. And you think, like, where does it go from there? You know, they say, you know, they, they play with the laser disc and the Blu-rays and all of that stuff. And Blu-ray is still a thing. You know, it's more for the higher quality when they're really trying to, you know, showcase some special effects or some something visual or whatever. Um, but the, the wave of the future following that was fucking just digital, like just having things digital. You know, you went to your iPods and, and all those things. And, you know, it became gigs of storage. And the storage, you know, became how you're holding all your shit. So it's the thing that's happening next, and I don't like the thing that's happening next, that's um, seeming to be the, uh, the the next wave, is now you don't even hold the storage. The, that cloud bullshit holds the storage. And you just kind of rent it, you know what I mean? You kind of, like, pay somebody else on a regular basis to get them to hold on to all your shit. So I I personally don't like that. I like to have some physical form of it, even if it is a a download or, a, um, you know, an MP3 or something that I could have an iPod full of my music on it. I I like that. There's There's too much, you know, worrying about is there a signal here, is there a Wi-Fi, is there this, and then worrying about having to pay monthly for some shit that you have already is, uh, to me, it doesn't work. I don't like it. But, like I said, um, the technology has changed to an extent now where I don't want to own CDs, DVDs, any of that shit. I don't. I don't want to. So, you got to really focus on digital. You got to take it down from where people are used to paying for it. The twenty dollars, twenty dollar price tag has got to come off. That's it. It's your days of making that are over. But now digitally, you can get it out to more people. You can get it all over the country quicker without shipping, without anything. It's as quick as sending it to it. You guys, you know these indie companies just got to get on the ball with this shit. Some of the eye pay per view stuff can become a little bit dicey because. First, you got to get a good stream and get all of that shit that works well without any bugs. You guys got to get the, uh, you know, the internet hookup in order to stream it. And then, uh, you know, the second part of that is um, you got to have talent that's 
that's not under any type of contract that can't be on uh, iPay-Per-View. So it kind of holds people back a little bit. Like uh, PWG books too many big super cards that, you know, guys working companies that they're restricted from working pay-per-views. So they just kind of ditched the, the pay-per-view idea to begin with just all together, which I think they lose out because I would gladly pay for the live shows and um, live sells. Live is a live is a draw all in itself. You know, once it's happened already and you can read a spoiler, it, it does take your stuff down a notch. Um, but I, I just think on point, you know, use your small internet, uh, intimate venue and and just pack that little motherfucker. But in the same token, you got to fucking be able to spread your shit out as far as uh, digitally and really get it out to a lot of people and make your money that way. Because I think there's a lot of things going on with On Point's product that they're doing something unique. They're doing something, um, you know, a little different. And, uh, you know, I, I do like it. Um, you know, I preface saying that, I, I definitely don't have, like, a ton of fantastic things to say about the matches in the show, you know, besides a few. But... You know, that that's just how I feel. The, the venue was good. I liked it. And um, I'll definitely go again. I, I don't think I'm going to the next show. But, um, but yeah, I, I definitely uh, will, will attend another on-point wrestling show. But the show started out, and it was uh, Xavier Cross coming out and challenging whoever wanted the fight. Um, came out... Uh, George Gatton, and, um, you know, everybody knows George, and I was really looking forward to, you know, seeing him wrestle, because I had never really seen him wrestle live or anything, so I was looking forward to that, um, Cross took like an Irish whip into the corner, apparently his neck was injured previously, I don't know if it was a work or it wasn't a work, either way, um, he went down with a neck injury, and, um, that was the end of it, you know, so, um, yeah, that's, um, that was the end of that. So then uh, on to the next match, at Connor Claxton uh, versus Alex Payne. I like Connor Claxton. I've never liked Alex Payne. Um, Alex Payne, to me, just he, he's got like this horror guy gimmick, but he doesn't look like a horror guy at all. He might be really into horror movies, but his persona, his look doesn't look anything. Nothing horror looks about him. He looks like he should be in a boy band, and he's got this like – you know, American psycho, or I don't know what the fuck he calls himself. It's, it's ridiculous. It's always been ridiculous. I always thought he was a mediocre wrestler, and um, he's, like I said, his his uh, his gimmick doesn't fit him at all, you know, whether he wants it to or not. Um, yeah, it, it just doesn't work. Um, so, you know, again, wasn't a huge fan. Um, next up was uh, Gran Akuma beating Sam Shields. I, I never saw Sam Shields before. I'd have to see him up against somebody else or something to really get a full feel over. I, I don't like Granikuma. Um I was a fan of Granikuma for a little while back in back in the day. Um I mean I almost wanna say when he still had his mask on and uh he had a lot of um well, partially because he's one of the ugliest fucking people I've ever seen. Secondly because um I don't know, it just he just seemed more fresh back then, and once you saw everything he had, he's got somewhat of a knockoff low-key thing going for him, and, and he's he's limited. He still he still botches a lot of shit. It's just, I, I don't know. 
Um, his face looks like one of those Boglins. That's like the most accurate description I could possibly say. If you remember Boglins from like the 80s, they were like these little puppets, these little puppets, and they were like a little goblin. And um, I really want to get one. I wish they'd remake them because if you try to like go buy one of the old ones, they're like $100 plus, and I'm not paying that. But there were these cool-ass fucking little puppet guys called Boglins, and they look evil as fuck. Their face is all scrunched up and shit. And um, look them up, Boglin. And um, that's what Kanakuma's face looks like. Um, as a wrestler, I'm just I'm just not a fan. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I'm not into the dude's dude's work. And um, he was one of those dudes too. I want to say I unfriended him on Facebook. I either unfriended him or I um, just unfollowed him. I'm not sure. But he's one of those dudes that's going to give you, like, 8,000 updates during every Monday Night Raw, and it becomes real fucking irritating, um, you know, because it's, like, you know, five updates per match and shit like that. And it's like, come on, man. Like, I don't know. This shit gets irritating. I mean, I'm the same way during a fucking Niner game. So who am I to judge? But I judge like a motherfucker. That's my deal. Um, so anyway, uh Next up was uh, Latin Dragon versus Worker Ant. Now, I'm not well-versed on these ants, but this was the fattest ant that I've ever seen. I don't know which one this is, but dude's got a belly on him and shit. Um, Latin Dragon's a good good dude. Um, I, I like his work a lot. He's He's gotten tremendously better over the years. Why CZW pretty much discontinued using him is beyond me. Um, dude's gone to Mexico and everywhere else, and... Uh, I think he's he's very good. I, I don't really understand why uh, CCW hasn't used him or just decided just not to. I mean, you know, we get fucking feels like feels like five years. It was probably two years of Alexander James being booked as like a serious character, and uh, Latin Dragon can't get a fucking opener against you know somebody. You know, an occasional match here and there, but he's another one of those dudes that you would just see kind of fucking hanging out at the show, but not booked at all. Just it's fucking ridiculous because the dude could work his ass off. So I don't know. The worker and dude's not bad either, but like I said again, he's the fattest man I've ever seen. So I don't know where he's working. Maybe he's working somewhere where he's got a food discount. Um, but uh, so so there's that. Um, next up was fucking. The match of the show, by far, fucking dream match in Nick Gage versus Scott Summers. Now, I mean, this is just the, this is the reason I went to the show. This is the reason I decided to go. This thing delivered 100%. I went to, I think it was a half-hour time limit. It went to half-hour time limit draw, was restarted, and went to a draw again after five minutes added. Um, they, they brawled outside and, um, fucking, usually I don't follow the, the wrestlers when they go outside. Cause usually it's real quick. You wind up behind a big ass crowd. Everybody gets in each other's way. You can't see shit because you're behind 25 people. And by the time they go out there, they're trying to move you the fuck out of the way to get back in. So generally I don't go out for some reason. I followed them. And this time Fucking good, good on me for fucking deciding to because these guys went out the back all the way around the front of the building, brawled for a while, 
and then brawled all the way the fuck back around back into the building. Good fucking shit. Um, great brawl in there. Um, these guys really, really tore it up. Um, Scott Summers, I really liked the guy. He was a guy that, you know, busted his ass against Masada at um, Tournament of Death a couple years ago, busted his head open on the fucking cinder block, and got to, you know, please come back, Chan, all of that stuff never brought back by CZW. Uh, I, I don't know what it was. I have no idea. I, I think it's fucking ridiculous. This is, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, you could see the fan reaction. You could see what fans want, and then you just choose to completely ignore it and do your own fucking thing. I mean, that's on you. You know, but you can't be surprised when the fans, you know, are upset with your booking. When you, you know, you give them something, they go, yeah, 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 that's what I fucking want. And then you go, yeah, okay, never mind. And and then you can't fucking deliver on it. That, you know, that's a problem. You're the one that dangled the fucking carrot, so to speak. You know what I mean? If you set the standard that's super high on something, and then you don't live up to your own standard that you set, uh, that, that, that's kind of your fucking fault. So Scott Summers is a guy who should have been brought back into CCW a long fucking time ago. And uh, Loudy over at On Point is fucking good on, on bringing him in because he's a fucking a very big asset to a company. He can fucking go with anybody. He can wrestle his ass off. He can do the hardcore. He can do all that. He's got a great fucking look. He's a badass, man. And, you know, bringing him in, he's he's worked a bunch of people on On Point. I still got to catch up and see a bunch of those matches. But um, I, I'm I'm definitely um, looking forward to seeing him more of that. And, you know, ending in a draw, I thought was a good idea because that match is fucking money. So to do it again and have no definitive, uh, you know, winner off the first match, fucking absolutely go in there, do that shit again, fucking no time limit, do whatever you got to do to make that, you know, so there's going, there has to be a winner, you know, whatever the case is. Fucking just, just go out there and rip it up because those guys – they're a uh, they're a dream match right there. That that's a uh, dream match booking done first by On Point Wrestling. Good on them. Great fucking match. And you know, regardless of what I say about any other matches on this card, that match alone is worth the price of admission or DVD. Which again, you heard my thoughts on DVDs, but or DVD or whatever format that you want to buy this show on, you gotta buy that show because that match is something you need to see. So um, that's that. Um, come back from uh, intermission with a four-way of Josh Adams, Mark Angel, Kreska the Quiet, and the Caveman. Um, I haven't really seen any of these guys except for the the mime guy, and I, and I find it um, interesting that he has a real quiet gimmick because that's pretty much the same reaction he gets from the crowd. Um, so I don't know if he, he made that out of convenience. Or, or what it is. I'm not into it. Um, uh, the caveman gimmick, I, I was kind of entertained by that, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously, he seems like he could use some more, uh, you know, time under his belt. But um, I, I don't know. I, I thought that gimmick was a little bit entertaining there. Like, he could do something with that. So that was, uh, that was pretty good stuff. Eh, it wasn't a terrible match, but, you know, it's kind of all over the place. And, um, you know, I... How do you follow fucking Nick Cage and Scott Summers? I mean, even the intermission in between, that's going to be the next wrestling you see. So I think it was more or less a cool-down match. Um, we had uh, 
Drew Blood uh, versus Joe Gacy. I, I haven't seen Drew Blood for a while, and I don't mean to say it to be a dick, but I, I feel like he's kind of lost the step since he was in his CCW time. I remember, you know, when he, he tore it up with uh, Devin, and, um, you know, he, he was killing it with Pinky when they were feuding. And um, I don't know, just something about it. And maybe it's me. It could be me. That dude has always looked like a fucking angry fucking Patton Oswald to me. Like, he, he's always just looked like the angriest Patton Oswald version that you could ever treat. Um, but, you know, it was what it was. I wasn't thrilled with the match. Um, but, you know. Uh, next up was Taipei Deathmatch and Match Remont uh, beating Jeff Cannonball. Now, this match was everything it was supposed to be. Um, they beat the shit out of each other. These chair shots in this match were just fucking bananas. Um, I personally hate the Taipei Deathmatch Stip. Um, I mean, one match, which is uh, kind of funny, because uh, one match that I hate way more, one one Stip that I hate probably more than any other Deathmatch Stip is the one that they set up following this, which is a staple gun match. I hate the fucking staple gun match. I think it's absolutely pointless, and um, I just can't fucking stand it. But anyway, um, Taipei Death is—it's all right, but um, I'm not—I'm not a fan of this step. The the match itself, you know, these these two beat the shit out of each other. You know, it was—you know—it was stiff. Like I said, the the fucking chair shots were just fucking bananas, and um, you know, they bled all over the place, and. Um, um, you know, I, I'm still, uh, I still have a lot to see out of, um, Cannonball. I, I think he could fucking hang. I really do. And, uh, I mean, definitely the, uh, the Nick Gage Invitational is going to be another, uh, showing of that. But, um, you know, I, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, I, I wasn't upset by this match. You know, going in, I knew it could only be so much as far as my entertainment goes because I just hate that step. But, um, but yeah, man, what can you say? Um, it, it delivered what it was supposed to, for sure. Um, and they also had a low life Louis, the special guest referee, so that was cool too. Um, then you had the OPW heavyweight title three way, which was Joey Janela winning the title off of Oz Tyler, who I've never seen before, and I thought he was really good. Uh, and Devin Moore, you know, I love Devin. Um, you know, this was a good match. I enjoyed this match. Like I said, I never saw Tyler before, but the other two I'm a big fan of. And um, Joey Janela, man, I just I, I can't say enough good about this guy. I, I think he's got so much to offer to wrestling. He's got so much fucking charisma and, and just talent. I mean, he's just a talented, talented dude. And I've seen him work so many different styles of guys, and he, he really knows how to pop the crowd. And... Um, you know, he's he's a fired up dude in the ring. And I like that. So, um fuck man. Uh I'm I'm glad he's got the world title over there. That's uh that's really cool for him to be uh, you know, at the head of a company that way 'cause uh he you know, he deserves it. And he's not the type of guy that's gonna let you down and make your company look like shit. Or or stagnant or anything like that. He's gonna keep it alive and uh fucking fresh, so good on him and uh good. But like I said, overall Great experience with On Point. Like I said, you know, a bunch of matches I didn't like, but I, I still think that they have something special over there. They they have a lot of, um, you know, positives 
and um, you know things that they could just continue to build on and work with. Um, so yeah, like I said, I, I will be back there. Um, let's see. I, th- I think I'm going to take another break real quick. Uh, let me see. What the fuck? Um, yeah, I'm going to take another break real quick, and then I'll come back and I'll talk about the uh, the Nick Gage Invitational coming up this uh, Saturday. Yeah. All right, check it out. We call me S S E E A A N N. Prepare your mind, run to your children. The God spit fire and mind the skills, friend. Drop the skills, but the quiet just slipping and chill. Somebody call the morgue. I just called the D O A. Two to the head, I shot the bitch in raw day. No time for the tattling, babbling, okay. Told my brother, put the bitch in the barrel like Torrey. When it comes to hard ball, that's me all day. Your shit got flaws, pong, and it's all no days. I'm the raw rap writer, reciter of raw raps. All that whack shit that you're talking, just fall back. See my flow on some one-two shit. P-Fly, G.I. Joe, the Kung Fu grip. Got a lock on the game, not with the game. Bad neck, Rubai, Comstock. Octoframe, got my mind made up, you can't convince me home That the way to the top is my cock and Quincy Jones <laughs> Secret society designed by a man Made the mason beat the murder, make his eyes with his hands <laughs> Cool manufactured that shit, don't believe in none of that shit Your facts are backwards <laughs> An active and active gang leader Well loved in the streets, my peeps, they been heated They call me Triple X 
three double X. And within a very quick time, I had, you know, people who wanted all of those. So although all those are not in the people's hands yet, they're all reserved for people. I, I physically sold a few of them, but I know exactly who those shirts belong to. And as of, um, you know, they're, they're going to be, um, they're gone, you know, so to speak. They're gone. Um, I got probably about 20 or maybe a little over shirts combined right now left. And those are all large and extra large. Now, some people are bigger and they want the bigger sizes, but again, I'm out. Um, I got one guy who's really, really obsessive about um, he wants a medium, which is fine. When I reorder these things, I'm going to try to, you know, do the roll call again and really try to get together, you know, what people want. Because I'm not trying to get stuck, you know, the, those triple X's and shit like that. Those those cost you more to make. So um, I'm not going to get stuck with a bunch of shit that, like, I don't know what to do with that size shirt. I mean, you know Worst case scenario, if I got a shirt that's somewhere around my fucking size and I'm stuck with it, it's not going to kill me to have a second one of that shirt or something. But if it's a huge fucking shirt, uh, you know, shit don't fit me, I'm not going to get stuck with it. So, um, thing with that. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, the freebie shit's kind of annoying. You know, you do get people that ask you, you know, oh, you know, can I have one of this and that? And I, and I guess it doesn't hurt to ask, but in the same token, it, it's also like, come on, man. Like, where else in life do people just hand you fucking free shirts? Like, if you're selling a fucking shirt, you're you're fucking putting it out for some money, right? Why the fuck wouldn't I be tossing it? It clearly didn't just fall into my lap. I had to pay for the motherfuckers, and you got to pay for the motherfuckers. I mean, it's just, it's just simple math, and I'm just, uh, you know... I mean, I'm sure anybody who sells some shirts and should deal with it. But the thing is, is, like, if I was just selling plain-ass, you know, Yakuza Kick radio shirts, nobody would be fucking buying them. The bottom line is the people want these because they're dope-ass shirts. So just like any other thing that you would want, you would pay for So simple as that. Um, So hit me up, private message, or, you know, at the Nick Gage Invitational, which is going to be a little rough. And a lot of people are waiting for that, but it is going to be a little rough because of the parking situation, which um, I'm going to get into in a second because I think it's pretty fucking hilarious. Uh, first off, I mean, so much about this tournament is just fucking just a riot to me, and it, this shit hasn't even happened yet. First off, a deathmatch tournament in New Jersey is unheard of, completely unheard of. Um, just seems fucking... Just seems like a silly idea. Um, I, I didn't think you're allowed to do deathmatch tournaments in Jersey. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to do deathmatch tournaments in Jersey. And, and may you know, come Saturday we'll see just how wrong I am. Maybe this will be a one and done, and this will be the last fucking deathmatch tournament in Jersey. I don't know. Um, I just know that CZW had a hard time using shit like light tubes. They pulled it off at Cage of Death. They used a couple light tubes, this and that, um, but that was it, and it's fucking August now. Well, no, actually, it's uh, it's September now, and they haven't used light tubes since. So it's obviously not that easy to do it. Now, we're talking fans bring the weapons where people are already posting tons of pictures of shit taped to light tubes and glued to fucking light tubes. So either way you look at it, 
you got people showing up with fucking light tubes. And whether you had them there to begin with or just a shitload of fans show up with light tubes. So that's that's silly shit number one. Um, and, you know, this is a company who has never run a deathmatch tournament before. So having a bunch of guys who have definitely worked them in it is definitely a help. But as far as running a deathmatch tournament safely, um, that's that's a whole other ball game that these guys are jumping into in a state that's not accustomed to uh, hosting deathmatch tournaments. So, again, I'm going to be front row for this shit. Don't get it fucked up. But, um, man. So here, here's uh, – let, let, me, let me get into the parking. Well, I guess we'll get back to this uh, – Hold on, let me, uh, and you know what, let me just run down the card real quick, because, all right, so, Nick Gage versus Nate Hatred, first round, and, um, Nate Hatred I haven't seen for a long, long fucking time, I've been trying to get him on the show for a while, he's given me yeses and maybes and waits and in a couple months, and, you know, so, eventually, hopefully, I'll have that guy on the show, um, and uh, you know him, him and Nick. You know they have a long history together. So let's let's see how this one turns out. Um, I, I know Nate hasn't wrestled a ton of recent stuff, so it should be pretty interesting to see how that goes down. And if he, you know, he's rusty or whatever, and um, you know Gage is on fire, so he, he's not gonna be fucking rusty. Um, so so there you go. There um, you got. Um, Jeff Cannonball versus Kyle the Beast. And uh that that's another first round matchup. Um and then you got uh Masada versus Corporal Robinson, which is gonna be stiff as fuck. Great shit. Um and then you got another huge matchup of Danny Havoc versus Matt Tremont. So talent across the board. Um the other you know, right off the fucking bat the silliest fucking thing about this entire thing is it's the Nick Gage Invitational with Nick Gage in the fucking tournament. I don't know too many tournaments that are named after a guy in the tournament. I, I, you know, and before anybody throws out there, because I've heard it already jokingly, the Zandig's Ultraviolet Tournament of Death, that was based around a, a an angle that they had going where it was um, Lobo was owning the company, Zandig was running his own sanctioned tournament outside of CZW because CZW was owned by Lobo, and that that's what that was. So that that was the reasoning behind that. But how many fucking tournaments you know with a guy in it named it? Now how fucking corny it would it be to make Nick Gage win the Nick Gage tournament? I don't even think you could do that shit. You, I mean, you can, obviously, but it would just be the corniest fucking thing ever to have Nick Gage win the Nick Gage tournament. It's just like, you know what I mean? Like, you're giving people the answer and shit. It's just So, my personal... Um, the, the My prediction is that uh, Cannonball wins this tournament. And this this will be his standout performance and springboard him into bigger things. And because he's a JCW guy, or sorry, rename the company, GCW guy, um, you know, it makes their company look better to get through all these guys. 
Um, I, I, you know, I think a lot of these guys are big enough that you can give it to pretty much any one of them, but GCW guys, and they're not going to be on your next show or the show after that or the show after that. What sense does it make to put in an over an outside guy and then just go, oh, okay, well, you know, remember when uh, Masada won the tournament? Yeah, well, he hasn't been here in four months, so uh, you know, that was cool. He beat all our guys up, and now he's not here. You know, it, it makes way more sense for one of your home guys to go over, and then next thing you know, you know, he's he's wrestling this guy. Now you have, to his credit, that he won the Nick Age Invitational, he's the dumbest name ever, um, up against all these other named guys. You know what I mean? So, um, I don't know. To me, that just that just makes more sense to me. Um, of course, Gage would make sense, but it, it would be the corniest possible thing you could do is name a tournament after the guy that you plan on putting over for the fucking tournament. It's just, you know. Anyway, um, and you could put an outside guy over if you've done a tournament for 10 years and, you know, giving it to this one and that one, and it w- wouldn't make a difference. But to be your first ever tournament and just put an outside guy over just wouldn't make a whole shitload of sense. Unless you plan on bringing that guy in on a regular basis, and then you know, have at it. Um, so that's the thing, and they they have uh, also making appearances with the wife Peter and uh, Justice Payne. So oh, I'm looking forward to seeing those guys again. I saw Justice Payne. I didn't get a chance to say hi, but I saw him real quick. Uh, uh, when Gage wrestled uh, Gulak the first time, so that that was cool to see him, and uh, it'll be cool to see him again. Hopefully, get the chance to say hi, and uh, and the wife beater as well. So I haven't seen him since way back. So uh, yeah, it'd just be good to see those guys out there. Um, now the the next hilarious fucking thing about this tournament is. Um, Hold on, let me, uh, this thing's got to load. Trying to navigate things on my iPad, because my computer's still fucked up. Um, just, it's just working slow as shit, and I just don't know a goddamn thing about this uh, technology business. Uh, let me see. Okay, parking. <clears throat> this is what they posted. Parking. Fans. <laughs> Your best bet for parking in about 50 yards before getting to the American Legion, there is a mini mall with a bunch of spots in front and back. If that gets packed at the corner, there is also an empty gas station as well. It's a small street, so we don't want to cause traffic with everybody having to make a U-turn. See you all Saturday, and if you have any questions, feel free to message us on Facebook. So first off, I don't know any mini malls who want people from another event loading their parking lot. I I don't know any of that. By chance, they do allow that type of shit. I can't imagine that there's more than 30 spots in a mini mall. I, I can't imagine that there's more than 30 spots. Second off, you're you're using your second option being a fucking an abandoned gas station. Can you fit more than eight cars in a fucking gas station total? Really, seriously. So, what are we talking about? You're gonna fit thirty thirty eight cars there between your two fucking your, your two answers. 
it's just it's fucking bananas. It's absolutely bananas. And then you're gonna have all these fucking gargoyles walking through the fucking streets of uh, where the fuck is it? Warren, New Jersey, with fucking light tubes and thumbtacks taped to it, walking a fucking fifty, a hundred yards, fucking two blocks, whatever, with fucking crazy, silly looking shit that they made in their fucking mom's basement, with fucking light tubes and thumbtacks and fucking barbed wire and all this, and just fucking shit is fucking crazy. I just, like, I have such, like, a expectation of an incident coming off of this fucking show. But, again, I, I'm attending it. It'll be what it's going to be. Um, that's what I'm telling you guys. It's going to be a little tough as far as the shirts go. I'm going to do what I can, but I, I refuse to try to sell anything, like, on people's property. Like, I'm I'm not the type of dude that's going to go, you know, fucking walk in and do a show with fucking a shitload of shirts to sell or anything like that. I have the motherfuckers in the car, intermission or after the show. You can meet up with me, and that's fine. But, like, I, I wouldn't try to fucking solicit shit on people's show. That, to me, that's fucked up. Yeah, you know I mean, I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't try to, you know, sell some shit on, on somebody's show. Um, I'm not like that. But, um, so, like I said, it, it would be, you know, on the side after, you know, intermission or, or whatever the case is. But, um. So yeah, that that's the fucking parking arrangements is a hey man fucking uh fucking you could uh <laughs> you could park at this fucking mini mall which most fucking mini malls too they got fucking signs that are like fucking paying customers only and shit and they could have you fucking towed if they have any sign like that in that parking lot they're gonna be towing all these motherfuckers so shit. Um, interesting stuff there. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's about all I got. I, um, I should have a nice big show for you next week. You know, I'm gonna, it'll be, uh, definitely, um, I, I may have a guest for next week. I haven't confirmed that guest just yet. I may have a guest. That should be really cool. Um, if, if that happens, Either way, though, I'm going to have this show and this experience to review. And on top of that, we are just, just a little over a week away from the beginning of football season. So next Wednesday, at some point during the show, I will have on my friend Christian Simpson, who uh, frequents the sports den. You've heard him on this show a lot in the past. And, and we're going to break the league down. We're going we're gonna to talk about some stuff, our predictions on who's going to be what. We're going to go over the NFL. So you're going to hear some deathmatch reviews. You're going to hear some fucking, um, a little bit of talk about the CCW upcoming show. Five motherfucking tag matches, might I add. Five fucking tag matches. What kind of shit is this? Um, yeah. Oh fuck. Let me. I know I had a. I had a clip that would work for that. Five fucking matches. What Greg the Hammer Valentine would say about that? It's bullshit. Right. Um. And you know it is what it is. But so I'm gonna have some a show to review, show to preview, football talk, and hopefully a guest. Should be a great show next week. And um. That that that's about it. Um. Plugs. Definitely check out. Um what Andrew Carlock's doing over there, the Stern Nation podcast feed. Um, 
He's doing a show, I think it's like every two weeks. It's called General Jackassery. So there's that. Um, the Sports Den will be on tonight. You can go listen to them. And uh, I should be doing my fucking fantasy draft with them Monday night. We were supposed to do it last night, but a bunch of these fucking people are clowns. So, um, you know, you get half the fucking draft to show up. And then, you know, just just nonsense goes on for two hours where we toy about whether the fucking draft's going to go on later that night or fucking another night and shit. Just, just waste, like, m- multiple hours of my life and shit. So, fucking crazy. I mean, I fuck with them dudes over there at the sports den, so I'm not I'm not blaming it on them or anything else. But just, just the other fucking geniuses that know the fucking draft is that night and then just decide that, like, oh, no, I, I'm just leaving work now, or I'm just, well, shit, I was, oh, nobody told me. I mean, come on, man. You sign up for some shit. Get the fuck there and let's do the deal. Fuck. So... Um, hopefully all, all will go well on Monday or I'm going to lose my goddamn mind about this shit. Um, so yeah, um, sports then, um, like I said, with the shirts, man, uh, definitely check out Josh Crane if you need some shit printed up. Definitely check out Frank Febo if you need some graphics done. So those are my dudes right there. I think that's everything I got. And, uh... Hey, fucking hit up Sean Price for some fucking, uh, go donate some shit to him. Or go, go cop that CD. Songs in the key of Price. Duckdown.com. Go get a shirt. And, uh, you know, he's got those fucking RRP shirts up there. Go check that shit out. I'll check you out next week. I've babbled enough. Peace. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good? You just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that part. Me, I always tell a truth, even when I lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. I'm going to tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness.